All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? All right, my good man. Uh, Happy to finally be able to talk to you, thanks to Skype's tomfoolery. Oh, yeah, all at my end this time. It's it, it, One of our computers or Skype normally messes about for a good 20 minutes, but we got there in the end. It's all part of the podcast fun. Get everything ready, click connect, can't hear you. Can't hear you. <laughs> I'll reboot, still can't hear you. Repeat, rinse and repeat every podcast ever done in the world. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had this just go smoothly straight away. No. Where would be the fun? Well, there's just no point, is there? Nobody wants to listen to a smooth podcast. <laughs> well, they certainly wouldn't be coming here. <laughs> yeah. Well, this week, we're actually going to go back uh, to 93 again um, after having done the pay-per-views last time around and <laughs> made a meal of that. But we're looking at Saturday night, uh, WCW Saturday night from February 27th, 1993, up against Raw from March 1st, a couple of days later. So... we've been really spoilt so far with these shows and I won't spoil it too much, but I'm not quite as enamored with these ones as I have been. How about you, Richie? Well, no. Uh, Are you aware of the the changes that have occurred at WCW since the pay-per-view? Um... I believe I know what you're talking about, but why don't you educate everyone in case um, anyone's not been watching along? Well, uh, I won't take too much credit for it because it was mentioned on the on the uh, podcast whose name shan't be mentioned in case anybody thinks uh, I'm offensive. But uh, a certain gentleman that was there at the time uh, did describe that this was the end of the Bill Watts era uh, leading on to, into, I think, back into Ole Anderson, which uh, in many respects, I believe, means it's just about to dive into the shitter. <laughs> and yeah we've got a few uh, distinguished guests to come along for that ride so that should be fun um <laughs> i'm actually looking forward to diving into these two which which one did you watch first i i uh i went for wcw mostly because i didn't realize the timeline of everything so i was like well it's been pretty good so far why wait until to do it last let's do it first let's let's have me uh let's have my main course before me starter and then i was like hold on oh oh I remember people talking about, oh, shit, our balls. Bill Watts is gone. (laughs) Hopefully that means Eric goes with him, but let's find out. And the place is at a fever pitch because we are expecting the arrival any time of Nature Boy Ric Flair. Absolutely, Shivani. Electricity is in the air because the Nature Boy is back in WCW right here Saturday night. And Shivani, I couldn't be happier, if you can believe that, to be standing here with you on Saturday night. It is going to be a tremendous program tonight of WCW Saturday night, including Flying Bryant and the Z-Man will be here against, or make it the Z-Man and Johnny Gunn will be here against stunning Steve Austin. And wait a minute, he is here. If we could take a look up here in the stands, Nature Boy Ric Flair has arrived to center stage. Oh my goodness, what a sight. I'll tell you what, Shabani, it's been years and years for the nature boy and the body to be in the same place at the same time but it is happening i am fired up yes 
So, WCW Saturday Night has the um, commentary team of Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura. And we start out, we get right down to business. Ric Flair comes in, but he doesn't get in the ring or cut a promo. He just comes into the studio and walks back out. <laughs> like, what the fuck was the point of that? It seemed a bizarre way to basically have your returning hero come back after, was it two years at the competition? I know he's been at the pay-per-view, but uh, that's just mad. He just wanders out and he's like, all right, and then wanders back in again. Yeah, and he's been gone at this point for about two years. Um, Richie, do you remember in 2001 when Triple H had been out with his quad tear, I think it was, or was it his quad or his bicep? He had a tear. Quad. I think it was his quad. Yep, yeah, first quad. Do you remember when he... When he came back at Madison Square Garden and, like, the roof blew off the place right before, I think, um, the Royal Rumble it was. And then, you know, Kurt Angle comes out, he dispatches him and just gets a mega pop. Do, do you remember that oh, episode of yeah, Raw? Yeah, that was uh, that's one of the few times where the uh, hyperbole of Triple H is actually correct. And that, that pop is absolutely massive. It, it's kind of the opposite of this 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 pop an uh, introduction of Ric Flair back to your, your television program. Well, that's the point I'm heading towards. Can you imagine if you replaced that moment with no music and um, oh, maybe there was music, but Triple H just walked out onto the ramp, waved and continued on doing a circle straight back through the curtain and left. Like <laughs> That's basically what Ric Flair does here, right? He does, he does the full uh, Grandpa Simpson from the... Yes! Uh, <laughs> From the uh, what is it? Uh, it's like the Belesco. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's it, it's it's the full thing. It, it basically Ric Flair does that thing where you've not seen your mate for like ages, or they've been poorly, or whatever it is, and they wander into they come into the pub, and instead of like throwing your arms around and going, "Oh, I can't believe I've seen you. I can't believe you've you've been. I don't know. You've been in the army. You've been away. You've been doing this. You've done that. You've life threatening. And you just look up at him and go, "All right, dickhead." <laughs> That's basically what 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 Ric Flair does to the crowd. He basically comes out and goes, "All right, dickhead." <laughs> that's it. Over. Oh man, that's terrible. <laughs> and then, just to make matters worse, we go into our first matchup, and it's the Wrecking Crew versus the Cole Brothers. Um, oh my god! In this I, I've described the look of this match: the Wrecking Crew as being like a pound shop Legion of Doom versus a pound shop, like, generic wrestler that is somewhat part Sting, part John Cena, part Rugged Ronnie Garvin for the Cole brothers. All mullet. All mullet. Blonde mullet, surfer, jacked body, like the the um, original John Cena tights, the, the shorts that just look like the, the colours of the local sports team. Oh, this is bad. Oh, and there's two of the fuckers, so we get... Uh... Twin magic, which you know what was crap when the Bella Twins was doing it. So at least the gimmick considers uh, stays crap all the time. Absolutely, and it's just basically all wrecking crew power here: clothesline, shoulders, um, a choke slam, a power slam. Before we get a botched backslide by one of the Cole brothers for a fluke one two three. This is basically a tag team equivalent of the one two three kid win over Razor Ramon, except the crowd don't give a shit here. Um, it was not a good match, and I don't think got the desired effect at all. No, uh, it doesn't help that the after this, the Cole brothers twins do a interview where they're like keep swapping around, going, "No, I'm Cole. No, he's Cole. I'm Keith. I'm not Cole." It's like, no, it, how the hell do you think this is going to draw money? 
Yeah, it's it's not good at all. Um, and, and you've you've already had to put up with Jesse and Tony spending most of the match doing the same gag. So yeah, it's it's it, yeah, not not good at all. And then Jesse goes to talk to them, and he does the same gag with them, which I'll splice in here because um, talk about flogging a dead horse. They beat this one to death. Guys, let me tell you something. Kent, Kent Cole, that was one tremendous victory, and I call it an upset. Wait a second, Jason, buddy. I'm so sorry. I can't tell right now. This Kent. That's Kent. Kent Cole. Tremendous victory, Kent Cole. I'll tell you what. I didn't give you much of a chance to win, but you hung in there, and you scored a great victory, Kent Cole. Yeah, Jesse, I'm, I'm not Kent. This is Kent. Wait a minute. He said you were Kent. You're saying he's Kent. I don't know the difference. One of them's Kent, one of them's Keith, one of them won. And they win a big victory here on WCW Saturday night. We'll be back after this timeout. After the um, promo with Jesse, we go to a commercial break and we come back and it's time for Two Cold Scorpio to take on Shanghai Pierce, who has Tex Slazenger out with him. At first, I thought this was a tag match when I saw them come out, but I realized, oh no, Scorpio's not got a partner, so we're in singles competition here. Uh, it's fucking mad that that the the how over this text guy is. <laughs> it is crazy. They are all over um, Shanghai during this match, cheering his every move. It it I, I've never seen anyone get cheered so much, but for no reason that I can understand. Even even with history goggles on, I can't work it out. <laughs> it's yeah, a bit of a crazy one. We get started with chain wrestling. Um, we get an arm drag and a drop kick from Too Cold and a dive to the floor. Shanghai comes back with an elbow, a snapmare, a vertical suplex. Um, before Too Cold comes back with a spin kick, the referee gets bumped, and then we get a bit of a silly rope spot. You know where. The two heels hold the rope and the face dives on the rope and they come clashing head together. And that allows Too Cold to pick up a springboard leg drop for the one, two, three before we go out to our next commercial. This one was pretty inoffensive. I, I like all the guys involved. I think Shanghai's overness just kind of makes me laugh. And Too Cold Scorpio was always a pretty decent athlete. So I didn't mind this, Richie. What about you? Oh, I enjoyed it. I Scorpio's just got that kind of... a. Uh... Offense that's interesting to watch. Although I did notice with uh, 2021 eyes that uh, every time Scorp- uh, Scorpio was getting cheered and the crowd, it was mentioned, they would immediately go to the black crowd because you know it was 1993, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> the Bill Watts era has begun. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Oh no, sorry, it has has ended. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just like. Come on, there's an entire crowd of people here, you twats. Yeah, it's um, it's not great. Our next contest is Johnny B. Bad versus Mustafa Saeed. Um, Bad has got an arm injury, which is bandaged up, and this really hampers the match. He botches a power slam quite badly, um, but then uses the same arm to drop elbow uh, for a back elbow, like and doesn't sell that. So it's it's really clunky. We get a um, Mustafa Saeed backdrop and then a bit of a botched exchange, which allows Bad to hit him with the left hook, which is called the Tutti Fruity for the one two three. Um, 
really, really shit match this one. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, do you disagree or are you on that boat as well? No, it was complete and utter wank. Uh, I don't think this is an original thought by myself, but I often get the feeling that Johnny B. Bad is very good at being Johnny B. Bad and doing what he needs to do. But as a wrestler goes, he's he's like, he can do the moves, but he can't wrestle. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I, I like him as Marvelous Mark Miro when he starts to click character-wise later, but yeah, I, I'm, I've not really enjoyed much of this at all. That, if we did a top 10 of uh, little-known entrance music, I actually used to really like the Mark Miro. Uh, not the sun, not the, the Wildcat one. He had another intro music. I think it was called TKO. I used to think that was really good. But uh, uh, other than that, pretty forgettable. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, after the match, we see security stopping Missy Hyatt from getting an interview with Ric Flair. It seems to be a bit of an ongoing gag, this, that like, Missy Hyatt's always trying to get to Ric Flair and security's always intercepting her. We never really get explained why, so I don't get it, but um, it is what it is. Uh, they don't seem to... Given that like Missy Hyatt seems to be like the the, the original Sonny or Sable, if, as long as... It, that, what I'm saying isn't too offensive. I find that she gets quite a... They don't really make a lot of her. Like, they could do so much more. Because she can, she, she, she can cut a promo. She can wrestle. She could do a lot more. And they just... I just don't think they get their money's worth. No, I agree with you. I think it's... um. Yeah, they don't really seem to know what to do with us, so I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, we then go to the Hollywood Blondes taking on the Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. Uh, the Blondes have upgraded to matching gear and are looking a lot more like a tag team, which is a nice touch. Yeah, you can see the evolution uh, of this coming along nicely. Again, <laughs> knowing how, far, how long this runs for, as how long it should have run for. Uh, it's actually quite irritating to watch them uh, make all these moves and then just get the wool, uh, rug pulled from underneath them. Absolutely. Um, we get the match started with an arm drag from the Z-Man. Johnny Gunn works over the arm. That The faces sort of have some arm-based offense early. Roll up for a, uh, for a two, a slam for a two, a front suplex for a two. Very much baby faces in control as we go to a commercial. When we come back, they're working over the arm of Brian Pillman, but Austin eventually gets in and takes control with a back elbow and some double teaming. His second rope elbow drop. Um, Z-Man gets a hot tag and comes in and clears house, but the referee gets distracted on a roll-up, and this allows Brian Pillman to hit a springboard forearm to the back of the head, and the blondes pick up the one, two, three. Definitely the right decision there with them being far more over of the two. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a bit odd that the baby faces were building the heat a bit, but uh, no, really enjoyed it, and you're not going to get a bad match, I don't think. Well, Johnny Mullet, I don't really know a lot about, but the other other three are, are really good at what they do. Yeah, I thought this was pretty decent, mate. Certainly the best match so far by a long way. We then go to the British Bulldog taking on Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Um, some, this is a similar format to the match with, oh, what was the guy's name? The Goon. Um, on the on the pay per view we talked about, oh, it's Erwin uh, Bill Irwin. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with them maybe being a little bit too much offense. And same sort of thing here with Buddy Lee Parker. It is mostly all Bulldog, but um, Parker gets a couple of a bits of offense and delays it. Not as much as Irwin, so I think this was a slight improvement on that. Uh, Bulldog, of course, all his patented offense, the um, arm drag, hip toss, cross uh, across body even for a two, a delayed vertical suplex. Uh, Parker did get one near fall off of a clothesline before the Bulldog locks in that patented power slam for the one, two, three. And does, just like at the uh, pay-per-view, has an interview immediately afterwards, this time with Tony Schiavone, uh, again challenging Vader. So what did you think about the presentation in comparison to basically the same... Uh, format against Irwin at the pay-per-view. Well, I have to uh, confess first that I can't fucking stand Buddy Parker. Uh, are, are you aware of the, the gentleman Louis Theroux? No. Right, he's a document documentary maker and he, he made a uh, series, well, he's still going now, but he made a series of programs uh, in the late 90s called Weird, I think it was Weird Weekends, and one of them is he, he goes to, he's like looks at subcultures in america so one week he's at swingers and one week he follows porn stars and one week he follows ufo people but one of them he follows wrestlers Hmm. and uh he goes like sees backyard wrestlers who are very open about the business and then he goes backstage at wcw at one of their events so he meets roddy piper who's pretty cool you know Uh, i think he bumps into goldberg Possibly speaks to Randy Savage as a really long conversation with ooh, Alex Wright, who's just debuting as uh, Berlin. Uh, but he watches <laughs> the matches, and he, he, at no point is he like disrespectful. It's he's, he doesn't like take the piss particularly. So, uh, but he does. He's been given Buddy Parker to uh, to sort of like chaperone him around, and at the end of it, he kind of he kind of asks, you know, from where I was sat. It, Kind of looked like they might have been helping each other. So uh, Buddy Parker, the little prick he is, invites him down to the power plant and then absolutely beasts him uh, because uh, Louis threw dared to question kayfabe in 1997. or ni- No, in fact, it would be 1999 if it was Berlin. So, uh, Jesus. Uh, uh, he, the guy can't even... Uh, he can't breathe. In fact, he goes out and pukes. It was just... And I, I just, since that point, as I say, just to... Just to just like a little prick who made nothing in wrestling. So I've just never been able to stand to him. Side, if you can find it on the interwebs, I'd, I'd say give it a watch because actually it's quite interesting. Uh, it's like you know, it's like pre-Beyond the Mat. I want to watch that. So um, do you know what it was called? Uh, I can. I think it's something with the wrestlers. But give us a sec where I don't go look at, uh, obviously go look at Google. Louis the... Uh, it is. I think it's Louis through series two. Uh, I think it's just series two, episode six of six. Doesn't give it. Doesn't give it a name. Just called wrestling. Okay. Um, how do you spell the guy's name? Uh, L O U I S T H E R O U X. X. We should. We should do a um. That versus Beyond the Map. Yep, I've, I've definitely got a copy of that somewhere. All right, we're going to talk about this later anyway, and anyway. have a little <laughs> spin-off show. <laughs> so, and and, and uh, sliding back into what we were talking about, I thought this match was more of the same. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Bull, if Bulldog's taking on Vader, especially the size Bulldog is. I mean, he's seriously on the gas. 
at this point. He's got he's got some severe like stretch marks coming like on his chest at this point, yeah. where he's just expanding past his skin. And but bearing in mind that that's part of the reason why he's in WCW and no longer with the WWF. He he looks some you know a baby faced monster, and if he's seriously gonna take challenge Vader, I just think he should be not destroying people in a in a heel way, just in do 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 gone. I think he gives too much offense to people who obviously aren't a threat. I agree. Uh, from there, we go to um, Marcus Alexander Bagwell taking on Mike Thor. Bagwell hits a shoulder block and a drop toe hold, followed by an arm drag before Mike Thor comes back with a slam but misses a top rope splash. Bagwell hits a backdrop for a two and then the perfect plex for a one, two, three. Still finding his way a little bit Bagwell here, but he looked pretty good um, as we go out to a commercial and get told Ric Flair is coming in next. What did you think about this one? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I quite like... I guess it's like a dirty little secret, I suppose, but I, I quite like Buff Bagwell. I know it all goes all goes downhill potentially with him as time goes by, but I quite like him in this persona. Uh, and I think he wrestles, he, he does, he's interesting to watch wrestle, uh, which I don't think he gets enough credit for. Uh, overall, though, I mean, it was just a bit of a there you go, get your win kind of a match, I thought. Yeah, I, I definitely thought it was... It was- pretty paint by numbers but Bagwell looked pretty good and I think they're doing the right thing here building him slowly they're not Eric Wattsing Eric Watts is him to us or doing the Eric Watts and shoving him down our throat no which is a lot better than uh some of the ways they've been dealing with uh especially baby faces He's, it just doesn't work baby faces don't don't work if if you constantly well maybe Hogan well, even then they didn't throw Hogan down your throat you didn't get Hogan on TV all the time yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and we get to what we've been waiting for the whole evening. This whole show is basically centered around Ric Flair coming back, and it's time for him to come out and talk to Tony Schiavone. Um, we get a p- classic Ric Flair promo saying he's back in WCW and looking for the gold. Um, name, name drops the US, uh, NWA, and WCW champions. I will splice that in right about here. The W Saturday night once again. And please welcome with me back to TV one and only Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Nature Boy Ric Flair and security personnel have been here as well. Welcome back to World Championship Wrestling. Tony, some things in life never change. Missy, I promise you, we're gonna party tonight, baby. You stick around, honey. You know, Tony, you don't mind if I bask in the glory of a decade of being the most dominant wrestler in all of professional wrestling. And for anybody out there that thinks maybe Ric Flair shouldn't be here, let's hear a woo! All right. You see, I travel the world wide, and all I hear is, nature boy, when you're gonna walk through the Atlanta airport, 
when you get a style and profile? When are you going back to Atlanta GA and WCW? Well, all questions answered because I'm back and I'm back to stay. And what did you think about the Ric Flair promo there, Richie? I thought it was good, kind of typical Ric Flair promo, which in no way is disrespectful to the uh, Ric Flair promo, because especially at this point, he, 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 he's entirely on point. As he gets a bit older, I think he gets a bit more rambly and a little crazier, but just here, he, he really solid, I believe, your promo. Yeah, yeah. Good, typical Ric Flair promo. You're right. It's it's pretty much like everything else he does, but everything else he does is normally pretty good as well. So, didn't mind that at all. Yeah, you you can hardly complain that he did another good Ric Flair promo. So next up, we go to Max Payne taking on TC Carter. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all know how I feel about Max Payne. Oh, he's terrible. Um, he no sells a shoulder block, a backdrop. Um, hits a suplex and a slam, and then the painkiller, which is an armbar to pick up the win. And then he cuts a promo on Ric Flair as though Max Payne has any chance at all of having a program with Ric Flair. Oh, it's it's just horrible. Literally horrible. Like, there is no way on this planet, and Ric Flair works with a lot of people, I just, there's no way on this planet I can see Ric Flair getting anywhere near working with you, Max. Not at all. Um, it just, yeah, pretty embarrassing. <laughs> we then go to um, Dustin Rhodes, our US champion, taking on Wild Bill Irwin, who we talked about earlier. Um, pretty one-sided, this one, where we get a hip toss. And then uh, Paul Orndorff comes and joins the commentary team, by the way, to talk some smack about Dustin. A bit of a quick back and forth between the two before a bit of a botched bulldog from Dustin, but he still picks up the one, two, three. And this is all really just to set up the promo against... Um, Paul Orndorff, where he challenges Dustin Rhodes, and Dustin Rhodes ends it with the big zinger of calling him Paula. What did you think about the match and the aftermatch segment there? Patch, the match, it ain't great. I've got to be honest. I think I zoned out for this one because I think I've got, like, the line. <laughs> I've basically got in notes, awful music, here comes Gold Dust, and then I've got Gold Dust calls Paul Orndorff Paula. So obviously I wasn't taking that much notice in the actual match. Uh, I, 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 if that's the, if that's the best insult you've got, like it doesn't doesn't scintillise me. It doesn't it doesn't excite me into watching the program between the two. Him calling him Paula. Yeah, no, not at all. It, it really didn't do anything for me that one. And um, go on. Sorry, I'm saying outrageously. I just I just don't really feel Paul Orndorff. Uh, well, the natural Dustin Rhodes just doesn't really give me any, like, ooh, that'll be good vibes. No, it's like one guy's not quite there yet and the other's past it. There's just, they they probably each need someone to drag them up and they're not that opponent for each other yet. No. Uh, I mean, Paul Ondorf's good, but he, again, he's, he's another slightly old wrestler from a slightly different time, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you've got to think his um, biggest drawing stuff was six or seven years ago now, So, and he's had a bit of time out of the spotlight since then. So, yeah, definitely not really getting me excited. As neither is the next match, which is Van Hammer taking on Bobby Baker. Um, again, a 
pretty one-sided match. We get a slam and an underhook suplex before Bobby Baker comes back with a suplex of his own. But Van Hammer locks in a back suplex, a leg drop, and a slingshot suplex for the one, two, three as we go out to commercial. Um, just your average WCW Saturday night squash match, that one, Richie. Yeah, I'm sure at one point Van Hammer nearly kills the guy, but I can't remember what he does. It Th- would not surprise me. Th- there's a bit of sloppiness somewhere. I think somewhere around that slingshot suplex, but uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I watched it. I remember cre- uh, thinking, ooh, not good. Not good at all. And our next match is Vinny Vegas and Big Sky taking on uh, Terry Trouse and TC McCoy. I mean, they sound like people who make avant-garde crisps, don't they? <laughs> I, I can't believe we got two people whose first names were TC on the one show, TC Carter and now TC McCoy. Like, give the jobbers an original name, will you? Yeah, like Jobber P. Jobberson or something. <laughs> Vinny Vegas starts us off with some forearms. I should mention as well, Big Sky is a big unit. Like, he's as tall as, as Kevin Nash, Vinny Vegas here. And I was like, I don't recognize this guy and I don't know much about him. So I Googled him to see, like, whatever happened to him. It turns out he became an actor and he was actually in X-Men, The Scorpion King, Joe Dirt, and the remake of Halloween, amongst other things. Yeah, it's Tyler Mayne, isn't it? I, I, yes. I did the same thing. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, yeah, didn't do much in wrestling, but been in a ton of movies. Um, and we get a couple of power moves and a snake eyes for the one, two, three. So you can see how interesting this match was. We both Googled his acting career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Nash has never been that dynamic, uh, and he isn't in this. And the other guy is big, but he's not really that exciting. And I was too busy working out he was the OG Sabretooth. So. <laughs> if you think green Kevin Nash and a greener partner, that's what you got here. Yeah, Kevin Nash teaching Big Sky. Is at this point is is not going to end well. This is not paparazzi productions. <laughs> we then go on to our next match, which is the Barbarian taking on Rip Rogers. Barbarian just overwhelming with his power in this match. Um, rides a headlock for quite a while. A bit of no selling and a nice beal and a clothesline. Um, a back rake and some stumps by Rip Rogers before Barbarian just kills him with the big boot and picks up the one, two, three. And this was a good squash match. Yeah, I kind of got a soft spot for Rip Rogers. Just uh, I don't really follow him on Twitter, but I know he's he's one of those uh, "Will you fuckers do it right?" kind of a people, and I kind of appreciate that. If if you ever see like a retweet and he's like basically telling the young books to fucking stop doing it like that. <laughs> yeah, this was um not bad, not bad, and I agree completely. So <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit better. I don't know. I I've got a soft spot for the Barbarian actually, as as far as like. The um your eighties nineties big Ben goes. I've always had. I I kind of liked Barbarian and Warlord actually, both the powers of pain, and then their singles careers. I don't know. I I just never, never disliked either of them. No, I was like, but you always get something good from Barbarian. It, it's never. It, I, I, I'm never really that bored. I don't think. No, and he looks impactful. Like I, I remember. I think it might have been maybe WrestleMania six where he took on Tito Santana and he just took his head off with a clothesline off the top rope. And like for 1990, that was pretty impressive. And you always get something good out of the barbarian. And I think it was a barbarian with Dallas page in one of the things when he was coming up and it's the barbarian who they were trying to come up with a fake finish, uh, not fake, a fudged finish to uh, get around the fact that the barbarians wasn't ever pinned and the barbarians just like, now nah, I'll uh, diamond cutter and pin me. 
And you're like, oh, that's a bloke who, you know, he, he people are scared to ask him. Or not ask him, but he's just got a reputation. And he's like, no. Because it's just like you think, well, he, he, he even knows best for business. So you always get more points from me for stuff like that. Absolutely. This next match is probably the one that I took the most notes on. It's um, a very young Steve Regal and our boy Eric Watts taking on Bob Cook and Chris Sullivan. And <laughs> as Richie or his neighbor's dog decides to chime in. Oh, no, that, that's Bruce the dog uh, indicating his dissatisfaction with, with what's about to occur. <laughs> he sounds like the crowd here for this one because the first thing we hear is an Eric Sucks chant. And I am... Um, really really enjoying this because for some reason i'm gonna go probably due to his old man tony shivani and, and jesse ventura don't acknowledge these chants at all during this match uh no it does appear to be heading down the card a little bit though because uh now that his old man's gone i don't think we're gonna see much more of eric watts no regal's good in this we get a nice underhook suplex and a drop toe hold um the chant only gets louder when Watts gets in the ring, though. Shivani and Jesse Ventura distract themselves with some good banter, and they don't mention that, but they are quite entertaining during this match. Um, Eric Watts, when he's in, we get a hip toss and an arm drag and tags back out to Regal. The Joppers get some offense on Regal as well, which is a bit of a, you know, we've kind of been through this a little bit now. They do, in WCW, get a bit more offense. How do you feel about that? Do you like the, the out-and-out squashes, or do you like these sort of more like slightly competitive job matches i think it for me it always depends on who who is they're trying to get over i don't think it does as i said bulldog any good having a competitive match against anyone who's a jobber because he's a beast now eric watson Stephen regal should be winning i think for me uh they're, they're lower down so they should they're more on the job those two job guys level they've got to earn their wins they they can't go out and just squash them straight down because he doesn't doesn't really make sense. It's it's a bit like I don't know. It like if if we was to say that uh, <laughs> I was about to say one of the tops at Big Six, but you're not allowed to mention that in football really right now after what those those dickheads but just pulled. Uh, uh-huh. But it's it's like top level football team. Uh, you expect to smash the one that's in twentieth place in the Premiership, but you don't exactly expect the same kind of match if if the team's in tenth or eleventh, that kind of thing. So, I, I think the problem is sometimes they they tend to do follow the same match kind of. So Bulldogs basically doing the same thing as these two are, and that's when it starts to great because I'm watching wrestling for wrestling's sake sometimes just to fill time, and that really irritates me. Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there that, like, with some of the the younger faces, it makes sense. Like, I think, like, especially, like, a Marcus Alexander Bagwell, even, and Regal here is very young. Like, the more experienced guys, though, definitely should be eating these guys up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, this is what I think what, what's missed with sort of, like, matches nowadays where they, they give a lot of offense, but they tend to give too much offense to people who are good but shouldn't are at the right level to be getting that level of they can have one comeback and then you get put down and and you see too many 20 minute matches which doesn't do anyone any good just because they can do it exactly um regal here tags out again a huge booze um which commentators don't mention and when that's not getting the reaction they want they start a daddy's boy chant oh yeah yeah they they are well 
not behind Eric Watts in this situation. Um, we get a backdrop and a forearm before, he, of course, he locks in the SDF because he has to pick up the victory. And then we go to footage of Marcus Alexander Bagwell on, and Max Payne on Worldwide, which doesn't really lead anywhere. It was a bit of an odd splice, that one. Oh, uh, I just put dick move of the week. Two Mac Payne, Max Payne's <laughs> in uh, in one show. There's no way you're not getting dick move of the week. There you have it. We have our dick move of the week. Hand it out. <laughs> Um, and then we go to an Arn Anderson promo with Tony. He cuts a promo on Eric Watts and hints at the return of the four horsemen with like a cramp in his hand that has four fingers up. So very interesting that on the night Flair comes back, Arn starts to hint about the horsemen. Oh, I loved it. I also love that Arn's just rocking a dad, sh- dad shirt, dad glasses, looking like a dad. Tough pub, uh, pub tough. Love it. Yep. <laughs> Toughest no, dad at the, the pub. <laughs> this is the 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 the, the thing. I, I just love the fact that there was a time in in wrestling where Arn Anderson not only was uh, allowed to wrestle, but was actually incredibly popular. But looked like that. But it's it just makes sense. It, it does. He's not, it just he's just a dude who'll kick your face in. <laughs> I want to. I want to just check something very quickly about Arn Anderson because it's just you just made me think of something right there. Bear with me one moment. Arn Anderson at this point in time is about thirty-five years old, <laughs> and like I, I think what some of the guys going now, like a John Cena or an AJ Styles are in their 40s. You, there's no way on this earth you would look at AJ Styles and think he's older than Arn Anderson was in this promo. No way. Absolutely. I mean, it's just... like It's the glasses that always make me chuckle. He goes out and does his interview and he's, he's big... I mean, they're almost NHS glasses. And he's like, do you want to take your glasses off, uh, Arn? And he's like, do you want to say that to my face? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> no, I just think, uh, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's just, I it, 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 it's just something you don't get now, and I don't think you could explain it, but it's just, just how these guys did, and I think, I think it's something we miss. Oh, Arn Anderson was fucking born middle aged. <laughs> Arn Anderson there is actually younger than I am now, and that makes me feel very old. <laughs> He's ten years younger than I am now. Almost. <laughs> There's no way either of us look older than Arn did in that promo. No. It, even better, he doesn't even look... He's like... He doesn't even look like he goes to the pub. Not the pub, the gym. It looks like he goes to the pub, but he's like... He's still... It's like you just wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> if, if we ever... This podcast ever explodes to the point where people would actually pay money to buy merchandise, toughest dad in the pub's got to be running for the first shirt yeah. we ever make. Yeah, because... Arn, well, I mean, there are a few of them. I just, I just, I love it. There's, there's nothing about Arn Anderson. Just, I just, that I don't love just because of the way he is. Just, just, and he, he just does great promos as well. It's just so good. Um, after that, we go to uh, Barry Windham defending his NWA title against Brad Armstrong which is another decent match. Brad Armstrong's one of those serviceable guys that just seems to do a good job in whatever role he's thrown into. So I've got a, I've got a lot of time for Brad Armstrong. Yeah, you're not going to get anything like boring from him. Not at all, no. Um, 
basically, we've got some chain wrestling here before Barry Windham takes over. He hits a nice back suplex and a slam, a vertical suplex and a gut wrench suplex. We get some We Want Flair chants, which is fair considering, you know, the point of his promo earlier was going after the belts. We get a knee drop. Uh, Brad Armstrong comes back with a face buster and a backdrop before Barry Windham hits his huge leaping DDT for the one, two, three. This was an okay main event. I think with the two guys involved, it was a little bit lackluster compared to what they could do. Um, but what do you think, Richie? I've been a little disappointed in old Baz Windham because I've heard a lot of people say how smooth and good he was. Uh, and I don't think we've seen his best yet. I, I think he... Feels, I mean, even when he, even the title match we reviewed last time, he just felt a little bit like he not phoning it in, but just didn't seem as motivated as he should. It's almost that bit where you can see through the cracks. Yeah, it's it, I don't know. Like, he, I think I, I wonder if he's maybe one of them guys that like the Rock and Roll Express like had their best moments before we really started watching. Yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, not not. Great, so it is what it is. We then go to Tony Schiavone with Vader and Harley Race. I'm going to splice their promo in right about now. Tremendous program this week on WCW Saturday Night. Next week we will hear comments from former US Heavyweight Champion Ravishing Rick Rude, and hopefully the Nature Boy Rick Blair will be back with us next week as well. But right now, let's bring in the Heavyweight Champion of the World along with his manager Harley Race, the one and only Big Ben Vader. A lot of things are going on this week. A lot of challenges. One from Davy Boy Smith, of course, in their sting as well. Tony, before you talk to me, talk to the man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, you're looking at the king of the world, the heavyweight champion of the world. And even though I walk through the valley of the WCW, I have no fear, because I rule the valley. I am king of the world. And Stinger, I told you to come prepared for war. I told you to come prepared for battle. I told you to come prepared for pain. And brother, it was bloody. And it was painful, and you went back to the school of pain. And when it was all over, Vader stood over you and you were broke and you were defeated. And I asked you, who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah, we all know who the man is. The king of the world, the heavyweight champion of the world, Davy Boy Smith. You want the man? We're standing right in front of your brother and I'm not hard to find. All 450 pounds of you. Tell him, Mr. Ray, who's the man? Who's the man? Who's the man? Get back to the likes of Ric Flair. Buddy, you were cock of the walk. Right here stands the biggest man on the walk, the world's heavyweight champion. And whether it be you, Ric Flair, you, Davy Boy Smith, or the Stinger. When you come looking for the man in the valley, he's not hard to find. He's standing right here, the world's heavyweight champion. You're on the mortgage on the WCW. 
And Richie, tell me when he cuts this promo here on Sting, do you did it stand out to you the way it did for me that he doesn't acknowledge the British Bulldog at all? Yeah, I have a feeling that this promo might have been recorded before the Bulldog did his. I th- I had a, I wondered if that was had happened. It just seems weird that he's not like right. I'm 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 still dealing with Sting and Bulldog. Don't think I've not got my eye on you. So don't think you're going to sneak up behind me and. Uh, I was going to say Pearl Harbor, but I'm pretty certain that's offensive nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> everything we say on this show is offensive, so no problem. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit of an odd one. Uh, Given that Bulldog's basically come in and gone, right, Vader, you're mine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that brings us to the end of WCW. So, yeah, an average show, as I, as I mentioned earlier. And that's the halfway point of the show. And, Richie, if you've listened to the past few episodes, I've... Um, Put a little bit of a pause in at halftime, and we've taken a, a different approach and done a two-minute movie review. Interesting, I have heard that. So, I believe I believe that last one was Predator. It was, it was. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Ain't got time you, to bleed. Yeah, that's the best line in the whole film. Have you watched anything recently that you wanted to chat about? You know what? I can't remember the last film I watched. I think lockdowns just mushed my brain. I tried to start watching Wonder Woman 2, but I just couldn't get into it. Well, in that case, I've got one at hand that I watched last week. Um, have you ever seen John Q? I have not. Ah, really good film. I'm a big Denzel Washington fan, so I've watched most of his films. Um, this one's a bit of a, a uh, drama, a real tearjerker. I don't cry during many films, but this one got the tears out of me, and my wife made sure when she wiped back hers to laugh at me for crying. Um, <laughs> Denzel Washington's basically playing a um, a dad of a kid who gets extremely sick, and he thinks he's got health insurance through his job, but it turns out they won't pay for the um, heart transplant that his kid needs. So it's a real tearjerker as he has to come up with a way to um, fight basically get treatment for his kid and, and won't stop until he gets it. So if you haven't seen this, I definitely recommend go out of your way to watch it if you like a real heart-pulling drama. Sometimes I, uh, I'll i admit uh, ignorance in the Australian healthcare system, but sometimes I think the American healthcare system is designed entirely so they can write films about how shit it is. It is appalling. There's two things I'll never understand about America. How they can't come up with any form of gun control and why you need to be a millionaire to get like a cast put on your broken arm. Yeah, I, I just I don't get it. You couldn't write that film in Britain because, I mean, it would start and uh, Denzel Washington would be very upset that his child's ill and then he'd go to the NHS and they'd go, oh yeah, yeah we'll sort your new heart. And then there might be a bit of yeah. a problem waiting to get the heart, but they'd, just, they'd be like, yeah, 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 it's fine. If they're poorly, just bring them in. They can, they can, they can have some drugs. <laughs> well, we've got we've got Medicare over here, which is very similar to the NHS. The Australian government has tried many times to move more and more towards privatizing uh, healthcare, but it'll just never happen. Over here, basically, in this instance, you'd come in. Have you got private health insurance? No, we don't. Okay, then you're not getting your own room. You're going to have to go in one that has two beds. It's like, oh no! I mean, can you imagine the, the the swell of the music, the drums, as the person hasn't got health insurance, and they go, "So you're going to have to share a room with somebody who might fart." 
<laughs> there is a curtain. You can draw it. Yes. <laughs> and you might have oh to share God. your television. End of first <laughs> act. Second yeah, I don't act think starts. The, uh, the media would be rolling up on that hospital to, to yep. make it to, to put it on the news. Anywho, that's half time <laughs> over and done. And now we head over to have a look at Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw has the unique commentary team of the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Vince McMahon, and Elvis this week. Um, obviously not the real Elvis. It is Rob Bartlett dressed as Elvis, and this joke gets old pretty quickly. Uh, I'm going to go down the path of anyone impersonating Elvis pretty much gets... Uh, the old joke gets tired within a minute. Potentially not edging Christian. I think they're with the comedy... I think they do it once, but besides that, it's got a very, very short shelf life for me. Yeah, it's pretty much. Thank you, thank you very much. I am fat, and I like peanut butter on bacon. Yeah, and it's like you know what? That's not funny. That's just a man who likes peanut butter on bacon. Yeah. Um, so basically, we start off with the jobber entrance Fatu taking on the World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. So a title defense to open up Raw. I thought that's a bit of a bizarre one to, to start with. And then I was like, I can't remember the last time I saw Bret, so I'm not going to complain. No, I just thought it should have been the main event, which is it's just an odd choice. Yeah, I, 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 don't think, I don't think they do Bret a lot of respect, really, in this title reign. No, not at all. Um, he's not got anywhere near the aura of a Hulk Hogan, and he's not booked that way, to be fair. Nope. We get a a slam from Fatu, an arm drag from Brett, who plays Possum very early and gets a sneaky roll-up, but it only gets him a two-count. Um, he hits a face buster on Fatu, but because he's foreign, it is completely no-sold. Enough said. A super kick, and then we see Vlad the Superfan in the front row. Um, really looking forward to his documentary hitting the um, the network. I'm re- I'm going to watch that straight away. I think. Yeah, I, I can't believe they're actually making it, but you know, you know, good good for them. No, it's great. It's um, the outside the box content that I want from my network. Yeah, I wonder if they'll ever get the guy that was at the pay per views with the long hair and the shades that was always with his mum, who I haven't seen in ages. Yeah, possibly. He'd certainly be on that super fan route. I just hope they don't get the modern super fans, the ones that pull funny faces so they can become a meme on Twitter. No, we don't need any of those. Not at all. Um, we get Samu coming out, and then Bret Hart hits a crossbody for a two. Samu attacks him on the floor as we go to a commercial. Fatu hits a pile driver for a two count, and then a second rope headbutt for a two. Bret Hart hits a superplex for a two and a bulldog for a two, so that time the face does get hurt. Go figure. Locks in a sharpshooter, but Arthur distracts on the outside, and Samu swaps in. Um, he picks up a two count on Bret Hart. They then swap back for some reason um, before he gets Samu hung in the ropes, Mick Foley ripping off your ear style, and drop kicks Arthur off the apron and locks the sharpshooter on Fatu. Takes a moment to, to give up and picks up the win. But during this whole sequence, I'm thinking the dropkick on Fatu and the locking in the sharpshooter on, on um, um, sorry, the dropkick on Afa and the locking in the sharpshooter on Fatu took far too long for poor Samu, who was hanging, waiting for this to end. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was one of those moments where you were like, "Ooh, that's not done him any favors there." It's all a bit, all a bit, uh, all a bit Booker T, Triple H, this from WrestleMania, whichever one it is. Absolutely, it was it was pretty brutal, but um, a decent match to start off. Again, I said it should have been the main event, but overall, I'm not complaining about this being on Monday Night Raw. A tad too competitive, considering Fatu is a, is a tag team competitor. I don't think they've even had the tag titles at this stage yet, so probably not over enough to be getting this kind of offense. I, I would have been okay had they done more of the heel, like cheating and swapping a bit earlier to talk about like it being two on one. But Fatu was right in the contest when Samu came out, to be fair. That part of it seemed weird. Uh, because Brett, I like Brett will cheat to win i think it's quite realistic uh you know if you've tried everything it should although it should be you've tried everything before you try and play possum not play possum two minutes or three minutes into the match against someone who's so low down in the card but i did find it a bit weird that they didn't play into the fact that they could switch earlier to build more sympathy with brett it would make more sense Absolutely. because they should be swapping in and out and Brett's like, look, ref, we do something about it. And the ref's like, well, I can't, I can't see it. Obviously, nothing's gone wrong. And then finally, Brett's like, I've had enough, pulls possum, rolls him up, gets a win. And it, that yeah, makes I, sense. I, I, I agree. Um, we then go to our WrestleMania 9 report with Ming Jean, and he weirdly drops the name of an auto body shop in this, which I'll splice in just because of the bizarreness of it. But otherwise, this was pretty run-of-the-mill. It's surprising that WrestleMania 9 still got some seats left. I wouldn't have thought that would have happened. Ladies and gentlemen, WrestleMania 9 right around the corner, Sunday, April the 4th, from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. All right, let's get back to Raw. Oh, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Much, I couldn't help but uh, see that very colorful outfit that you're wearing tonight. Uh, any possibility you had that painted by Joey Buttafuoco out on Long Island at the Auto Body Paint and Service Center? <laughs> There's a what about it? There's a compliment in there somewhere, but if Joey Buttafuoco, if Amy Fisher would have uh, met me first, a real macho man, sorry, Joey Buttafuoco, but none of that would ever have happened. I'm the <laughs> macho man. Yeah, well, uh, the less said about WrestleMania 9, the better. <laughs> oh, yes. We then go to a uh, promo on Crush. Uh, sorry, a promo from Crush in Hawaii where he crushes a coconut. So that really just hammers home the Hawaiian, the Hawaiian Crush. Yep, bruh. Shaka bruh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fucking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, I quite like Crush, really, but no, no, this promo wasn't great. And f for this, to this day, I still have both my kids saying "shaka bra" and throwing that the hang loose side up, and I have, and they have no idea why they say it. <laughs> Even better is these things spread, so there'll be that that'll spread through the school at some point. You could get yeah, an entire. <laughs> That could be the next thing that everyone over in it, all the Australian kids in Brisbane are saying shaka bra and nobody knows why. And they'll just be like one in 10 dads at home laughing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I can't remember if Crush is still alive, so I don't want to be rude. I'm fairly certain he's not. <laughs> yep. Yeah, died 20, 2007. Well, shaka yeah. bra. <laughs> shaka bra in his, in his honour. Um, speaking of Shaka Bra, the one that makes the kids cry bra, it's Doink versus Coco Beware. 
Oh, God. This was not something to look forward to. And somebody had the cheat to call Coco Beware. That young Coco Beware. Oh, that fiery youngster. Doink brings out a, a box, which is a present. Um, basically jumps Coco early, uh, attacks his leg, locks in an STF, hits a neck breaker, and then puts on the stump puller. St- stump puller. Stump puller. Uh, and Coco gets zero offense. So an established name like Coco Beware gets lo- less offense than Bob Cook in WCW. Go figure. They certainly uh, didn't have the hour and off that uh, WCW Saturday night had to, to fill up. Indeed. Um, Elvis then leaves the broadcast position to go and interview Doink, and the present turns out to be a large pie and a small pie. He gives him the small one and then puts a large one in his face. Um, classic WWF um, clown humour there. More of this to come later in the year when we get to, I think, the 93 Survivor Series. Um, can't wait for that. Literally, uh, can't think of anything less I'd rather watch. <laughs> oh, it might be 94. I'm actually... Not... The one where it's like Men on a Mission and the Bushwhackers playing Doink. It's truly, truly terrible. They're, they're, they're a little screwed at this time, uh, creatively. It's safe to say. Yeah, we then get ads for Hasbro figures and Slim Jim before Vince McMahon interviews Money Inc. I will um, splice a little bit of this in right here. Well, Mr. DiBiase, perhaps you have heard the comments of the Mega Maniacs. <laughs> before I get to Hulk Hogan and Beefcake McMahon, I have got to make mention of an article that I read in today's USA Today that really disturbed me about a very good friend of Irwin and ours, Mr. James Robinson, former chief executive of American Express. Here's a man that gave his all to this company. And as he steps down, how do they repay him? They want to give this man 700, a mere $730,000 a year in retirement money. Erwin, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, I'm sorry. You're upset over the fact they're going to give your friend $730,000 a year? That's right, and if that's not a big enough insult, they want to give him $1.1 million in severance pay. What a slap in the face that is. We're talking a man that knows how to live the big life, the good life, like Irwin and I. He knows what real money's all about. And then if you want to pour a little salt in the wound, they want to give him $3.2 million over a few years so he won't compete with them. About a $10 million package. So wait a minute now, you, you feel sorry for your friend who's getting all this money? All this money? McMahon, that's a raw deal. That's a raw deal. That's pocket change, McMahon. That's an insult. And as far as American Express... The next time Irwin and I leave home, it'll be without it. <laughs> All right, what about the matter at hand? What about the megamaniacs? It's very simple, McMahon. It's all assets and liabilities. So the cat's out of the bag. The challenge has been issued. I thought I'd heard that music fade off into the sunset for the last time, but oh no. Here he comes again, the immortal Hulk Hogan coming out of retirement to the aid of his good friend, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. My heart bleeds for you. What a touching story, Hogan. But just like Beefcake, Hogan, Beefcake was gone two years. 
You've been gone a year. You've been in Hollywood making movies and making commercials and being the big Hollywood star. I think you're a little soft. You want to limit our assets. You want to start cutting our assets. Well, you got off to a real good start, Hogan. You took Jimmy Hart from us. <laughs> all you're doing is cutting our losses because all Jimmy Hart was was an overpaid, way overpaid gopher. Go for this, Jimmy. Go for that, Jimmy. <laughs> what a and yeah, the promo was probably a little bit too much time talking about Amex, but other than that, they cut a decent promo on Hogan and the Barber, and this feud actually had a bit more juice going into WrestleMania than I remembered. Yeah, it's, it's a nice build, bearing in mind that we're not seeing really that much of it on TV. Like it's not multiple, multiple uh, parts of the program, and they haven't actually. I don't think have they haven't even been face to face yet, have they? I don't think. Not Ho- not Hogan. Obviously, yeah. they they did the beat beat down on the beefer, but yeah, not with Hogan as of yet. No. No, but uh, yeah, it's it does look a bit old fashioned, but I think that's just because the million dollar man's. I've by this point, you know, he's he's been right there quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think this sort of second run for him um, really made a big difference. Like, it, it, it extended his character. A lot of guys, after, you know, the big main event feud, they drop down the card and then they're bombed out. But this tag team with IRS breathed a, a big second life into him for sure. Yeah, because th- he's probably, well, I mean, he's probably got a few, carrying a few injuries at this point. Yeah, and, and that, the tag team definitely helps with that as well. All right. We then go to Lex Luger taking on the future Just Incredible, PJ Polacco. Um, very much all Lex early with some um, power. Also the future um, Aldo Montoya as well. Shouldn't forget that. <laughs> we, we get a backbreaker and then Bobby Heenan calls in on the phone. We get a suplex and a forearm. Uh, Bobby Heenan just basically chats a bit of nonsense about Lex here. Nothing... Too impressive, but then he hits a big forearm and pins him with his pinky, and we begin the speculation on why that forearm is so powerful. Oh, I don't know. Wonder what it could be. Time will will tell. I <laughs> I hate these phone call bits because they're just distracting. I don't understand why they didn't just pay for Heenan to come in. Yeah, and it's not like there's no real program for him to add to here. Like I know it's going to be Lex and, and perfect and, you know, perfect, just bombed flare out, but Heenan doesn't say anything of note or impact worthy. You're right. It'd have been better off just being like either cut to him for an actual promo or fly him in and give him an actual promo. Yeah. Even, even something on video before the match would have been better. Yeah, exactly. We then go to, the Steiner brothers taking on the super jobber dream team of Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy. You know that this is going to have some dudes be thrown around like motherfuckers. Yeah, well, we start with an overhead belly-to-belly suplex from Scott and a big backdrop from Rick, and then a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker, a, um, a Scott Steiner dropkick, so he flies for a moment. A double underhook suplex and then a massive Frankensteiner for the one, two, three. Dwayne Gill and Barry Hardy know their role and they play it well. Oh, it's amazing. It's like when you play uh, uh, one of the better games and you just you don't have it on hard so they're not doing any kind of 
uh, reversing your moves and you just basically go in and you go hard move up, hard move right, hard move left, hard move down, finish your job done. Beautiful. We go to a commercial and we come back and Vince tells us that next week we'll see Mr. Perfect versus The Model and Money Inc. versus the superstar team of Virgil and El Matador. I don't think they're going to capture the belts before the match with the um, with Hogan and Beefcake somehow. No, it seems unlikely they're going to pass the torch to those two just before WrestleMania. Yep, yeah, I... Um... I tend to agree. <laughs> that will do it for Raw. Um, a bit of an average show overall, um, but rather than dissect it, let's jump in and compare it straight away to um, Saturday night and see which way we want it to go. Now, I'll start us off with crowd heat. I thought WCW actually had the better crowd. They were hot for flair. They were all over Eric Watts, and they were weirdly in the Shanghai Pier. So I went that way. Who did you go with, Richie? Now I'm going to go WCW. They're still a hot crowd, even though they're getting served shite. Uh, I tend to find that the the raw crowd is generally a little bit quieter. But I, I don't know if that's because it's less of an event. Don't know. Seems like more people are used to going to go see, like that's their Saturday night at WCW. They're going to go watch the wrestling, whereas. I think because of where they've got it in New York, I don't think they've got the same kind of diehard fans. What about um, storyline advancement? Neither show did a whole bunch of that. Did, could you pick a winner between the two for that? Probably WWE, but it's only based on the interview that the Million Dollar Man and IRS did. Uh, and maybe a little bit of Lex and Bobby Heenan, but... In comparison to Flair coming out and then Flair going back in and then Flair saying, I want some belts, I just think it was a little bit better. Yeah, I couldn't split them. I guess you've also got like Orndorff and um, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham getting involved and Vader and, and Sting and the Bulldog. But yeah, neither show really did a great job of advancing the, the uh, storylines. But what about what about characters? Did you feel one show had a better array of characters than the other? Um, I, I can't help but feel both were lacking in this area a little too. I think they've got far better wrestlers on their uh, rosters that just didn't get uh, showcased. I would say for me... The overall, probably Brett, Lex, and the Steiners make me slightly lean towards WWE. Uh, at least I felt like I was seeing the best of what they had, or at least some of the best, whereas I had to put up with Max Payne on the other one. Yeah, I'll probably go with WWF more for the ratio than the number. Like, if you look at the four matches we had, you got... Doink versus Coco, which didn't really feature an actual jobber in it. Brett versus Fatu, same thing. And then you had Lex Luger in one and the Steiners in the other, whereas we were treated to um, a lot of people that I didn't really have a lot of affinity for. Uh, Mike Thor, Cole Brothers, Buddy Lee Parker, Rip Rogers. Um, I think WCW had more jobbers, so I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Production value, I um, thought Raw was actually still the better show. What about you? Definitely WCW still looks like it's done on a budget but not a very good budget I don't think there's any difference when you look at the WCW show in 93 and some of that AWA we looked at really the kind of cameras and the 
the uh, in-ring interviews and the stuff backstage, it's still very rough. Uh, oddly, it probably is what a lot of people miss, uh, as opposed to all the scripted yeah. stuff now. I know, but Raw just its aesthetic just looks better. I agree. And what about match quality? Could you pick a winner on that? I'm going to go WWE again. I really uh, WWF. I really enjoyed the Brett match, although it didn't entirely make sense. And the Steiners just coming out and doing shit to people. Just it was why I, I don't know if it was better quality. It was the one I remember, and I was most excited to watch. Uh, and after it had finished, I was like, "Yeah, that was fucking good." Like there was nothing necessarily wrong with the WCW stuff. It just didn't leave that much of a memory for me to to reminisce about especially considering it's a couple of weeks since i watched it so like but it, it, there was good wrestling but it didn't stick out whereas brett and the steiners stood out as like that was something worth watching and remembering i agree i think raw probably takes the win based on a couple of things if, if we're looking at it overall it's the fact that it's a much shorter show and we've probably got a little bit more nostalgia for the guys they showcase but i thought overall this was by far the weakest pair of shows we've started reviewing in 93 everything so far has had something i really enjoyed on at least one of the two shows and this one there was stuff that was okay but to be honest with you richie like um i most of this stuff i i didn't watch this that long ago it's probably been a week, week and a half since I finished both these shows. And yeah, I could barely remember anything going through my notes here. Well, I like to watch these and sometimes I end up watching them, like I say, a bit later on, a lot of an evening after one has enjoyed a tasty beer or four. And uh, I had actually forgotten I'd started the WCW and I had to go back to the start again. And I can usually remember watching it, even if I've had a, like, a little drink. And I just, I was like, I don't remember any of this. And like, Nothing stood out, and I rewatched it, and I still don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, and there was not even anything bad enough for us to properly rip on, and um, you know, really get stuck into. So it was disappointing. It wasn't good, and um, it also wasn't awful enough for it to be memorable. So yeah, yeah, it's, um, just poor. It was just like nobody wants an average meal. You you ever want? You obviously want some really good food when you go out, or at least if it's bad, you can rip the piss out of it. But this was just like, it was all right, you know. Tasted fine, I suppose. Never go back to it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, not for me. Um, Certainly, you know, a pair of shows, I'd say, don't go out of your way to watch. If you were, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that I watch, I'll recommend people go back and check out, but this is not one of them. So, nope, there you have either. it. No, I hope I'm hoping our next pair are going to be a lot more enjoyable. Ninety three Raw does have quite a few gems, but it's got the odd stinker amongst it, or just dull show. And this was one of them, and it still beat WCW. So here's hoping Saturday night also picks up a few gems along the way. Uh, I really hope so. I don't want to see this start to nosedive. No, me neither. Well, that's. Um a wrap for this week's show. Uh, thank you once again, Richie, for joining me and, you know, giving up some of your Friday so that I can fit you in around um, my horrific schedule at the moment. Uh, no problems, mate. I uh, I can always spend an hour ripping the piss. <laughs> and thanks, everyone, for listening. It's uh, getting... I've 
been getting back into a decent groove of being able to, you know, at least I do what you do, Richie. I watch the wrestling late at night and um, get all my notes taken after the wife and kids have gone to bed. So, you know, depending on how late I get in from football training and how tired I am, what other jobs I've got to do, I, I can either chew through a show at a night or it can take me four or five nights. But yeah, I'm getting back into a regular schedule and there's been a few more shows coming out now and the listening numbers have really skyrocketed up compared to where they were a little while back. So thank you for everyone for tuning in and all the new listeners that have joined us. Thanks a bunch. We do appreciate you listening and would always welcome feedback and a good discussion about any of these shows. Oh yeah. Grab me on the Twitter. I can do discussions in guitars, wrestling, food and comics. And I'll even discuss IT with you if you want, but it seems unlikely that that's going to happen. (laughs) and other than solving my problems whenever we try and record that's probably about the best we're gonna get (laughs) yeah awesome well thanks again richie for joining thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time toodaloo motherfuckers